Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Matthew chapter 4. I probably will run over the 12 o'clock just a little bit this morning, so don't get excited if I do. Beginning at verse 18 of Matthew 4. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They straightway left their nets and followed him. And going from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Shall we pray? Our Father, we are so grateful for the experience of this day to have witnessed a birth into the kingdom and have witnessed your call to one called to the work of the kingdom. And as we meditate upon your word now, we look to be fishers of men as you call us all to your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read you a story. I'm reading it because I can do it better reading than I can telling it to set the stage for this message this morning. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks were frequent, a crude little life-saving station was built. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted crewmen kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day or night, tirelessly searching for any who might need help. Many lives were saved by their devoted efforts. And after a while, the station became famous. Some of those who were saved, as well as others in the surrounding area, wanted to become a part of the work. They gave time and money for its support. New boats were bought. Additional crew were trained, and the station grew. Some of the members became unhappy that the building was so crude. They felt a larger, nicer place would be more appropriate as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with hospital beds and put better furniture in the enlarged building. Soon the station became a popular gathering place for its members to discuss the work and to visit with each other. They continued to remodel and decorate until the station was more and more taking on the look of a club. Fewer members were interested in going out on life-saving missions, so they hired professional crew to do the work on their behalf. The life-saving motive was still prevailing on the club emblems and stationery, and there was a liturgical lifeboat in the room where the club held its initiations. One day, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crew brought in many lifeboats of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty, bruised, and sick, and some had black or yellow skins. 
The beautiful new club was terribly messed up, so the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside where the shipwrecked victims could be cleansed before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities altogether as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the social life of the club. Some members insisted on keeping life-saving as the primary purpose and pointed out that after all, they were still called a life-saving station, but those members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own station down the coast somewhere. As the years went by, the new station gradually faced the same problems as the other one had experienced. It too became a club and its life-saving work became less and less of a priority. The few members who remained dedicated to life-saving uh, began another station. History continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that coast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but most of the people drowned. I think probably before I got done with that story, you began to see the church in its words. For many times the church has forgotten its original purpose and has become more interested in social functions and fine buildings than it is in winning souls to Jesus Christ. But that is the primary purpose of the church. The primary reason we exist is to evangelize, is to go out into the troubled waters of society, of the world, of the community where we live, and there by our efforts save the lost from the depths of an eternal sea. Our job is to rescue the perishing. If you ever wondered why Jesus came to this world, you can find it summed up well in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, when he himself said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. In the history of the early church, in the book of Acts, we find evidence, particularly in chapter 2 and verse 42, that the Lord was adding to the number, to their numbers daily, those that were being saved. We've seen this happen over the past months, of numbers of people being saved. And as long as we keep our focus on our initial mission, and have established our little cottage along the side of the road, to win the lost to Jesus Christ, the Lord will bless us and the Lord will lift us up and we will find ourselves a place of honor in his kingdom. We will not be going down the road and establish, establishing other little huts to win the lost because we will be winning the lost through the efforts that we have here. Paul said to the Romans and to us all in his uh, writing, he said his heart's desire and his prayer was for their salvation. 
when it is our heart's desire and our prayer for the salvation of our friends and neighbors, we will have the lifeboats out picking them up and bringing them into safety. Evangelism is the heart and the center of the church. And it must be the heart throb of every Christian person. And we will only be evangelists as a church to the extent that each of us as individual members are called by Jesus Christ to proclaim his gospel. And I say this this morning because it is not only Bill's mission or my mission or some other preacher's mission. It is the mission and the purpose of every member of every church to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through their lives every day. John Knox, great evangelist in Scotland many years ago, cried these words, you may have heard them, give me Scotland or I die. He was not talking about a military conquering. He was talking about a, about a spiritual conquering. It was so much on his heart that he wanted to see every soul in Scotland won to Jesus Christ that he cried out to God with all his heart to give him Scotland or he would die in despair. How many of us have cried for Turtle Creek that same way? Give us the lost of this community or we perish as well. I preached my first sermon at the age of 17. It was Youth Sunday. And everybody knew that I was going to be a preacher and so it likely fell to me that I would preach a sermon on behalf of the young people of the church that day, April 4th, 1950, 37 years ago. I only preached two sermons that year, the same one, twice, in two different churches. I looked at my records last night to see I preached another sermon four times the next year, Bill, same sermon. I couldn't figure out how to get more than one in a year. Because I believe now what I believed in that first sermon, and that is that Jesus calls, and that was the title of my sermon, Jesus Calls. I have, and it was this passage of scripture. I've never used this passage of scripture for 37 years. I've never repeated that prayer, that that passage in a sermon, to my knowledge. I've never used it as the text. I don't know why. But I do know, and I want to come back to it this morning, there are two calls extended by Jesus Christ. First of all, there is the call to salvation. Secondly, there is the call to witness. I don't know if all of us this morning have heard the call to salvation or not. But when Jesus Christ came into this world, he came for the purpose of saving the lost from eternal damnation. 
If you are not a Christian this morning, I believe earnestly that the Lord is touching you in a special way and is trying to get you to stop in your life long enough to recognize that your destiny as it stands today is not heaven but hell. And unless there is a change, there is no other place to go but to hear the condemnation of the Lord and say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And so the first invitation that we must extend this morning is for that of salvation. But that's not the, the thrust of the message at all this morning. The thrust of the message is to those of us who are saved. We are called to evangelize. We're called to witness. We're called to proclaim God's word in this world. I hope some of you young people will consider what you just experienced this morning. Because the Lord does call people to the gospel ministry in many, many ways. And you ought to yield your life to Him if the call is to you, whatever that might be. But listen, most of us like to think that this is the only person's call. Somebody's going to preach or go to the mission field. But the Lord calls all of us to our own mission, to our own a preaching station. He commissions us all for His work, whatever that might be. The question this morning is, as Jesus walked the, sea of, the shores of the Sea of Galilee and said to Peter and, and James and John and Andrew, come and follow me if you have yielded yourselves to Him to follow. Now these fellows were not learned people. One of the first things that I began to hear almost from, uh, from everybody is that I just am not educated to the point to do what you're saying. Listen, the Lord doesn't look at education. The Lord looks at the heart of the individual and he knows where the material is and he can mold that material into something that can glorify God's kingdom. He took uneducated fishermen and he made them men that turned the world upside down. Now you've got your own little world somewhere and you can turn it upside down for the Lord when you yield to his call to come and be fishers of men. Look at what he said. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Two things. Number one, follow me. That's the first command of the Lord after you have received him as Savior is to follow where he will lead. Wherever it is. The Gadarene demoniac. Remember he was a wild man, crazy, full of demons and the Lord cast them out and as the Lord got back in the ship to go across the sea again, this man from Gadara said to the Lord, I'll go with you. And the Lord said, no. Go back home and tell your family and your friends what good thing the Lord has done for you. That may be your call. Just to witness to your family and to your friends what good thing the Lord has done for you. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Do not think that you must have some tremendous ability of your own. Just think, 
I am placing myself in the hands of God and He will make me the fisher of men. He'll make me the fisher of men. I remember a lady who believed that the Lord had called her to go to speak to two young men in the community about their soul's salvation, about coming to church. She went and she got to where the two men were working and they recognized her and asked what she wanted and she began to cry and she said, I came here to ask you to come to church tonight to ask you to accept the Lord but I can't do it I have failed I don't know how to ask you and in tears she left those young men were so touched by her bravery that when she looked back in the congregation that night they were sitting on the back row and when the invitation was given those two men got up out of their seat and came forward why because the Lord made her a fisher of men even in the midst of her weakness. <coughs> D.L. Moody, great preacher of some years ago, was in an art gallery in Chicago and he saw a painting. The painting was of a cross sunk deep into solid rock. And a person was hanging with his arms wrapped around that cross with his feet into the sea as the sea was beating upon that rock and trying to drag that body back off the cross. He was holding on. It was a beautiful picture. It was called Rock of Ages. Several years later in the art gallery he saw another picture. It was a picture of a cross sunk deep into a solid rock and a person was hanging on the cross but this time he was only hanging with one arm because he had the other extended to somebody about to sink in the depths of the sea reaching out to grab a lost soul. And D. L. Moody said the first picture was beautiful but the second was much more beautiful. That's what our life must be, hanging to the cross with one arm, with one hand, and at the same time reaching to the lost with the other. That's our mission in life. God can make you and me a soul winner. He said to these fishermen, come and follow me, and I'll make you a fisherman of men. You know, there are some qualities that a fisherman must have. Sherman, where are you? This is your part. I told you I had something for you. I want to tell you the qualities of a fisherman. If you don't have these, you're never going to learn to fish. You might as well give it up. The qualities of a fisherman. Patience. You got that one? Perseverance. Stick to itness. Got that one? Good instinct. You know where the fish are. You know where the fish are? Well, there you're weakening a little bit courage to stick out there in all kinds of conditions and, and with all kinds of people, even Bill. But last of all, you've got to keep yourself out of sight. Now I want to use those five things to say that we've got to have those same qualities to be fishermen of men. 
Fishermen of men will be patient. Many of us don't have that quality as we ought. It took Adoniram Judson several years in Burma before he had his first convert. But he becomes our pioneer missionary as, as Baptists because of his patience and perseverance. We've got to know where the lost are and be where they are in order that we might influence them. We must have courage because sometimes it's going to take all the courage that we can muster to go out there and talk to that lost soul and tell them about our Savior. But 50, we must keep ourselves out of sight. It's Jesus that must be put in the forefront. It is He that people must see. And when we have lifted Him up, the Scripture says, I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. No, not, not me, not you. But the Lord Jesus will do the drawing. All we got to do is lift Him up and keep ourselves out of sight so that we are not seen. Only Jesus is seen. Jesus was certainly a perfect example. He was available at all times. Whenever somebody was, was wanting, he was available. Are you available to talk to somebody about their soul? He didn't show any favoritism. He wasn't interested in only saving the rich or, or his family or his friends. Wherever they or were people, he was interested in them. He was sensitive to their needs. He even felt the lady who touched the hem of his garment. He was one who showed love and tenderness. He was one who took time. He had compassion. These are the qualities that we must have to lift up Christ. Be available to people. Be sensitive. Be loving. Don't worry about how much time it's going to take and have compassion. And we'll win the lost. Many of the hymns that we sing have a story behind them. I want to tell you the story behind the hymn, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning, which I think sums up the message this morning. The hymn was written based upon a story told by D.L. Moody, to whom I've already referred. The story comes from Cleveland, Ohio, the harbor on Lake Erie. That harbor had two sets of lights to guide the ships into the harbor. One was high on a cliff overlooking the harbor. The lights could be seen for long distances, many miles, with the ships, and they could be guided toward the harbor. But down along the shoreline on each side where the rocks were, and the ship had to make their way in between the rocks were the lower lights down on the shore. This particular night there was a heavy storm and the storm had knocked out the lower lights along the shore. And a ship was coming in, and the pilot of the harbor radioed to the ship that he better just stay out that night, out in, out in the, the lake, because it was too dangerous to try to make it in without the lower lights. And the captain said, no, it's too dangerous out here. We're sure to sink during the night in this heavy storm. We have to make the harbor. And so he came in without lights. But the fears of the pilot came to be, and the ship was wrecked on the rocks, and many men lost their lives. And out of that story, D.L. Moody told it, and he said, The higher lights were shining, the lights of heaven were on, 
But what about the lower lights? Those who guide along the shore. You, me, the church. God's higher lights will never go out. But people may not make the harbor safely if the lower lights aren't burning. Are our lights burning? How many soul winners do we have in this congregation whose lights are on for the Lord? One of the suggestions that I have for the evangelism committee in our planning is that there be some consideration given to the training of soul winners for Jesus Christ. People who will let the lower lights in their light burn that the lost in this world might find the harbor. Jesus calls us to be soul winners for him. To be fishermen of men. Will you yield to that call of his to come follow him? He says, I'll make you fishermen of men. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.